All right. Good morning, folks. I'm Karen Audubonny, and um, today I've got our fifth district supervisor, Ted Williams, on the air. Ted, are you with me? Yeah. Good morning, Mendocino. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I got Ted to get on. I think you've only got a half an hour, or you got more time. We've got about half an hour. Okay, cool. Um, so the reason I got Ted on is it's always nice to catch up. I haven't had a supervisor on in quite some time. We've been dealing with elections and all that other kind of stuff. And it's been a busy time in Mendocino. I've been streaming the board meetings and all the meetings. And i got to tell you, Ted, it seems like we're just going from one crisis to another. Uh, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, but I just wanted to catch up a bit. First off, uh, one of the things that I've covered a lot is the pg and money that we got the 22.8 some million dollars that actually you guys uh, actually voted on dis- distribution of that and to me it looked pretty evenly spread out a bunch of the different uh, county departments that needed money had requested money a different a lot of the nonprofits, a lot of the organizations it seemed like it was a good spread of the money and getting it out to the community and where it needs to be done or used What's your opinion of that? I, I agree with you. Um, I, I was a bit skeptical of the process. And in fact, um, I had uh, requested an agenda item to have the board consider giving 100% of the funds to uh, local fire agencies. Um, this came out of a fire settlement, seemed appropriate uh, to better prepare the county for the next fire. And I, I was dismayed when, when we didn't even get an opportunity to dis- discuss that proposal. But in hindsight, I think the chair put together um, a fairly balanced process. Not everyone will be happy with the outcome. Uh, It's a compromise. Uh, But I think you're right. I think it represents uh, needs of the entire county, does put um, more funding to the communities that were directly impacted by the fire. Well, and a lot of the fire um, organizations, I know the uh, fire council got a big chunk. Um, they got funded. I know several of the fire departments got some. Didn't each fire department get 20000 I mean, that seems piddly, but it is a sum. It's there, there's, there's, um, there's funds in the tens of thousands for um, each local fire agency. We're taking um, input from the uh, fire districts association exactly what the distribution formula should be. Um, there's uh, funds for EMS. Um, some of these EMS needs uh, are, are one time. For example, when when first responders go to write up uh, medical incidents, and that's mostly what they have. They have a lot of um, me- medical aids at people's homes or traffic collisions. It's a it's a tedious process. It can take more than half an hour to write that call up, and you're asking volunteers who are you're already asking them to train, maybe hold bake sales to fundraise, respond to the call, and now you're asking them to do digital record management. Um, and so uh, we're funding um, uh, uh, next steps on uh, having the information dispatch takes show up automatically, reducing the burden on the first responders. So I I, I think you're right when you look at. Um, the distribution overall, it's it's going to fire fuel reduction, fire department, uh, am- bolstering ambulance uh, service. It's uh, it's pretty in line with my proposal. Yeah, I was I was I was actually pretty pleased. Um, and the process for getting it done, I had talked about previously, I guess a month ago, was each supervisor got to prioritize a number, like a one to ten, your priorities, and then they kind of put that all together. Um, so yeah, I overall was really pleased with where it went because when we talk about the fire and the damage the fire did, 
it's not only just the area that it happened, there were a lot of repercussions down the road with the county handling it and all of that. I was glad to see that our emergency services um, uh, department or whatever you call it, office got some money to get office, set. Of, office of emergency there we services. go offices of emergency we got money to get set up i know brent blazer was really hoping to get out set up and ready for that um one of the other things i just want to do a shout out because i know you're a fire guy um and that's important because most of our volunteer most of our fire agencies or fire organizations are volunteers unless you're in a city um, which we only have five of in the whole county so uh, we have a lot of volunteers that are doing a lot of the work and I just want to give a big shout out to way the that the fire departments and the organizations have been handling these small the small fires incident small incidents there's been two in the hopland area recently i think there's been a couple around other parts of the county in fort bragg and that where they're really jumping on it right away and hitting it really hard to begin with and then they don't spread that seems to be a new way of handling it it seems to be very effective what do you how are you seeing that i agree first water is best water and i think um, everybody understands the the potential and Call you know that I see more resources being called early on at dispatch. You can always you can always ask for you know dozers and air support and then cancel it if you don't need it. Going the other way, assuming that it's small and you can take care of it with one engine and finding that you can't, I think that's where we get it. We've gotten into trouble, and it's a it's a changing climate. Yeah, and it's a changing attitude too. I think uh, Cal Fire and the Feds are you know are being called in sooner, um, and it it really shows. I think it's really helped um, get a lot of these small potentially dangerous situations uh, taken care of. Okay, so that kind of does the PG&E money. You can um, go to I think it was the board meeting of the seventeenth. You can go in and you can download uh, on the agenda where all the money went if you want the specifics. But it was. I think it was a, a good process, and it came out well in the end. All right, so um, just to check in, I'm Karen Adebani. I've got uh, Ted Williams on, 5th District Supervisor. We're doing kind of a quick catch-up, and then I'll open up the lines, and I can rant and talk about the topics that are on my mind that I've been uh, dealing with around here. So the other thing, Ted, is that we are in the middle of a tremendous drought. Uh, you actually had the supervisors pulled together a special meeting on the 24th of um August, I believe it was. Yeah, a special meeting uh, to talk about nothing about just about the water situation. Um, the town of Mendocino is in your district and they're getting hit really, really hard. So we kind of go from one disaster to I would technically call this drought and the replications of it a disaster also. Um, I'm doing my best to get Glenn McGordy on for my next show, which is the 22nd, to talk about this whole drought issue because he's on the, it's a task force is what they're calling it. Um, so he'll have a lot of information that we can catch up about. But Ted, you've been really helping to get water to Mendocino. Um, any, how, how's it going? How do you feel about what's happening? Well, we don't have water flowing yet. Right. I had asked for this special meeting on the 24th because at the uh, on the, the prior Tuesday, there was optimism and 
one of the pieces of information that didn't come out is uh, all the offsite sales on the coast had had halted or, or were scheduled to halt, meaning local residents uh, would have no way to buy water um, at any price. And uh, so we, we the board um, convened and we talked about how we could um, fund shuttling water from city of Ukiah to city of Fort Bragg. The reason for this uh, arrangement is it's legal to have cities provide uh, mutual aid. Cities can exchange water. And we have two cities that um, clearly care about uh, 90,000 people. They're not just looking out for their own needs. They're seeing that the unincorporated is going dry. And I think we're all thankful that Ukiah is willing to provide the water. Fort Bragg is willing to let us dump it in their reservoir and run it through their treatment plant, um, allowing uh, haulers to uh, purchase water as they have in past years from the the treated side, but it's uh, the county for about 170 years has stayed out of the water business. Uh, some would argue it's 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 not the county's job. There's a, there's personal responsibility here. You live in an area that uh, is known to go dry during drought years. You need to have enough storage on hand to make it through those dry periods. What's different is this this drought may uh, now be worse than the 1977 drought. I think I heard Supervisor Jurdy comment that the Noyo has about half the flow as, as that unprecedented drought. Uh, and uh, it's not just um, uh, a few residents here or there. It's not even just one town. Town of Mendocino may be the most acute, but it's likely the first. We're going to see other areas also suffer from the drought. And uh, there's um, uh, financial interests in play. The county generates uh, about five million dollars of, of bed tax from the coast that we could we could easily lose if we have um, t- uh, towns going dry and unable to provide services. And we also have a lot of wage earners who are very vulnerable. They were sheltering during the pandemic. There was uh, some financial support through unemployment. A lot of that is dried up at a time. Uh, their employers may uh, be running out of water and unable to keep the doors open. So. Um, there's a mixed responsibility here. I think the county is stepping in and treating it as a disaster, but also recognizing in the years to come, this may be the new normal and uh, businesses may need to have more storage on hand filled during the rainy season. Well, and some of the discussion or a lot of the discussion that I saw on the, on the, at the emergency meeting was that the state is addressing this issue too, because it is a massive drought over the whole state, not I mean, we're hit, we're, we're, we're impacted locally badly, but it's the whole state. So there is supposedly drought money going to be coming down from the state. And um, the discussion has been, and what you voted to do was to back to actually spend the money now out of the $3 million reserve that was left from the PG&E money to get watered where it needs to be now and then with the anticipation that that would be backfilled with the state is that a pretty good summary yeah that captures it we're, we're spending general fund and in the future we will spend general fund so i sum it up okay um and the whole talk what i wanted to talk with ted about is that this, a lot of this is a philosophical thing um we're we're in an emergency situation so we need to get water to residents 
private and private you know private people residents first uh, and then the businesses so there's been a lot of discussion about who pays what who covers what who gets helped 100% 80% that's a whole nother discussion uh, that went on and you came to an agreement uh, this last week or week a week ago about how you're going to divvy that up and who who's going to get water first and how you're going to help reimburse them but the whole discussion of the d the tot tax brought up a bunch of different issues for me because yeah that's where we bring in a lot of money is on the coast from visitors and people coming to use the facilities on the coast and there's a lot of money, like you said, $5 million that comes in. We've never really tracked how much comes in for the coast versus the rest of the county, which is another whole you know, tracking thing I'd love to see happen. Um, so we really do need to deal with it now and get it done. But I agree that in the future, th- this is probably the trend. I've been on my property 37 years. I have an artesian spring. It went dry last week. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the town of Mendocino is not the only one dealing with this. And I know there's a lot of other people in the round that are dealing with it. So we we have to kind of look at the whole future of water and our industries in a whole different way. Um, So didn't Mendocino try to get water systems years ago? I mean, this is the time I think where we all as communities need to be looking at water systems and, and pulling together as watersheds possibly to deal with this. What do you think? Yeah. I I hear a lot of people talking about desalinization, which uh, is probably one of the more environmentally destructive means to, to um, generate water. Uh, Likely what we need is, is more storage either reservoirs, community water systems, or uh, individual storage. You know, the individual that has um, uh, 20,000 gallons on hand, they're going to make it through the drought, and they can fill those tanks in the winter when there's ample flow. We've had a model uh, throughout the unincorporated of relying on uh, groundwater year-round, assuming that there will be enough water to extract even at the driest part of the season. That model may no longer work. And um, individual communities will have to decide how they want to address this. I think the town of Mendocino previously uh, explored, drilled test wells, did a lot of research, and uh, decided to not move forward. And uh, you know, that really puts the burden on the individual. And I think um, individual property owners are, are feeling it now and may want to revisit the idea of a community water system. But, but no matter what happens there, it'll be years out. Even if it were funded today, you would be looking at uh, uh, more dry years ahead. And so uh, the only real option on the table is uh, uh, individuals uh, ensuring they have uh, adequate storage. Yeah, and I was even thinking about, okay, I'm going to get one of these stainless big 30,000-gallon tanks that uh, the water runs down and it fills it so you get it from the rainfall. But if we really are going into drought seasons and this is going to be the trend, um, I think I think there's a couple in Anderson Valley at the at the Navarro end, and I don't even know. I'll have to check with them to see if they were even able to fill those with rainfall, um, the catchment tanks. So that's a whole interesting summary. And you're you're right about the process in getting in any of these um, community systems. I live in Anderson Valley. Um, the Anderson Valley uh, uh, Community Service District has been working on a water project for Boonville. I think they're going on four years now, 
and they got funded by the state, folks. We've gotten almost uh, five, over $500,000 to do a plan that's and they're going to pay for the system because we're they understand the water needs um but they're even with the money on the table they're looking another three years out to get that in going so yeah uh it brings up a lot of issues ted it really does um one of the things that brought up for me getting back to the whole oversight or just overall arching conversation is at one time, and I don't know if we have it, we had talked about having a climate uh, climate committee or a group of people looking at climate change uh, and inter- inter- interacting with the county. Did that ever happen? Climate committee? I, uh, remember. I can't remember what it was it, called. Yeah, it did. It's the uh, Mendocino County Climate Action Advisory Committee. There we go. And it has representation from all five districts. Uh, it is meeting. Okay. And um, this may it may be one of the venues to have um, discussions about um, adjusting to the climate. Yeah, I mean, because it's it seems to me that like a lot of the policies and a lot of the direction for the county and what needs to be done is going to have to be including a discussion of climate change from now on. Yep. Uh, I. It, just and what do we and because right now they're looking at trucking water from Ukiah to um, Fort Bragg and then having it distributed out of Fort Bragg. That's a that's a fix for the immediate. But some of these overarching policies have got to be looked at more broadly. I think in how they integrate down to the county level and even to watershed levels. Um, it's you're right. It's it's a band aid at best. Yeah. And I don't like the idea of using uh, diesel trucks to shuttle water. It's not a sustainable model. It's what you do when you're caught by surprise. And really, we shouldn't be surprised. We should recognize that what we're seeing now in the climate is what scientists have been telling us for, for decades. We're surprised that science was right. But I, but I think it is, it is a disaster because it's so abrupt. We have such widespread and acute um, uh, groundwater conditions. You can get away with that for a year, maybe two years, but we're not going to, five years from now, we're not going to be able to say we're out of water. Um, we need public money to shuttle from one side of a county to another. The, I, I, I do want to note that the county is not paying for delivery to homes or businesses. We're talking about uh, the long haul, the, the state, the county, and, and state funds providing water on the coast in a city uh, in the reservoir so that water haulers can uh, shuttle at uh, the individual's expense. So see in past years, somebody in the town of Mendocino may have paid about $400 to have a truckload of water shuttled from Fort Bragg. This year, for the first time, Fort Bragg had to say, no, we can't allow those haulers to uh, fill up. And so the county is taking on the role of getting the water from Ukiah to Fort Bragg so that the the legacy model uh, can work for one more year. So basically, those folks in in Mendocino, the individual, the households, are still going to have to pay to have water delivered from Fort Bragg to them. Is that what I'm understanding? Absolutely. And, And the businesses will pay that that expensive hauling it from Fort Bragg to their business. They will also pay 20% of the cost the county incurs in hauling the water from Ukiah to the coast. So uh, there's not there, there is not free water. I've heard it kicked around that we're using the PG&E funds to deliver water to homes and businesses. Not not quite accurate. We're uh, using some general fund to 
ensure that the coast has a reservoir of water that can be purchased at um, at the uh, individual or the business ex- expense. Oh, good. Thank you for the clarification. That was good. Yeah. Um, a lot of these meetings get convoluted. They get, you know, trying to trying to follow the thread sometimes can be a little bit interesting, even even though I watch them quite a bit. OK, so um, I'm going to unless there's something else about the drought, I really want to try to I really am going to get uh Glenn McGordy on and dig really deep into this because there's a lot of other issues around this around who can put in ponds who can how you develop you know how you get tanks in and I want to explore that in depth with somebody who's sitting on that committee which I think would be good and I will confess right up now I actually went out and got an initial 5,000 gallon tank and my spring went down so low that I didn't even have a chance to fill it so I understand I understand waiting to the last minute and then being over the line and not being able to do what you'd try to do. So um, it's hard for me to, you know, say anything really bad about, oh, well, we didn't plan ahead because, yeah, I'm right there with everybody else. (laughs) Sorry about that. All right. So I'm Karen Audubonny. I have Ted Williams on. We're going to keep going for a few more minutes. And just to get an overall idea about the topics that are going on, um, Let's see. One of the interesting things for me, because I'm a a governance wonk and a policy wonk, is the last week's board meeting, supervisors meeting, um, there was this little item about uh, the county auditor. Lloyd Weir is uh, leaving. He's retiring. And I think he's got a year left, something like that on his thing he's been there for a long time uh it's kind of interesting because over the last few months the whole issue of auditing the sheriff's department and what our auditor does have has come up you and i even talked about i think the last time on the air you said well find out what lloyd does just about the time i was going to find out he leaves so there was this idea that you were going to appoint um the person that's underneath him i can't remember her name and that didn't happen um because the topic came up about combining the auditor's position in the county with the treasurer's position in the county, which I guess you can do under the state's laws. Is that correct? Yeah, we're, we're also allowed to create a department of finance. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a good time to, I, I actually, when I got on the board, I, I went to staff and raised uh, this idea. And, you know, I got, I got feedback that was reasonable. We, we don't, make these changes while somebody is seated in an elected position. And so now with uh, the auditor retiring, the position open, I think it's a good time to at least have the discussion. Perhaps we leave the arrangement as it is, but let's at least go through the motion of discussing and looking at what's best for Mendocino County in the decades ahead. Um, I will note you you have five elected uh, positions, elected department heads, and, and it's rather common for some of those positions to, um, resign midterm, and um, you know there's uh, there's always personal reasons why it's the where why it's the the right time for them to resign. But it means the public doesn't get benefit from having an opportunity uh, to have uh, open debates, learn about the candidates, and and cast votes. And I think um, you know as much as we need to fill the position, it is critical to the county. It's also appropriate that the people uh, elect their representatives rather than having the Board of Supervisors make appointments. 
And uh, I know some, some some folks have re- reached out to me asking for us to call, call for a special election. I don't think we have that power, just as when uh, Sheriff Allman resigned, we didn't have the ability to call for a special election. We had the ability to uh, appoint a replacement. Yeah, that's what the county council said at your meeting. Um, last time this happened in the county, I actually was following it, is when we as a county uh, combined the recorder the registrar of orders and the assessor's position years ago. And that was when um, the person that had been in the assessor's office left. Um, I just spaced his name. Good friend. Sorry about that. Um, But that's where they looked at that and they did combine those offices. The reason I find this fascinating for me is I've always found it difficult as a trying to be the most informed voter that I can personally possibly be and to inform the listeners and our community about voting i've always found it very difficult to um look at the look at the treasurer's department treasurer's position and the auditor's position and know who to vote for because these are very technical positions i think the last time the treasurer was challenged was when sherry schatmeyer was elected there was somebody from the courts that came on i actually did the debate about that but these are two positions that i've always found it really difficult to even vote on and understand what they do so i find it fascinating that we may be able to combining those i also went back to try to find out if we ever had a cfo for the county for some reason i think we used to have a cfo so um I don't know. Are you leaning into which way? Are you going to wait to the discussion? Where's it going to go? I, I'm leaning towards having the discussion and making it part of our strategic planning. You know, the model that's, that the county has um, engaged in the past decades may not be the best going forward. I mean, the real the real heart of the matter is Mendocino County doesn't have enough revenue for the um, the needs at hand, and even if the county were to focus entirely on public safety. I don't think there's enough revenue to do it right. So I, you know, two, two years into it, my term, I, I'm realizing ignorance was bliss. I didn't know how, what bad shape this county was financially. And, you know, if you ask me two years out, five years out, 10 years out, it, it'll be worse. Services will be worse because the cost of providing service is increasing every year. Those costs are inflating. Revenue is not keeping up. And there's there's nothing on the horizon that will that convinces us revenue will catch up. So it's a bit of a whack-a-mole. You get people complaining about one issue and you, you fund it by cutting somewhere else. Well, where you're cutting is also a critical service. Everything this county does is critical. And it's true. Almost every department is severely understaffed. So why is it understaffed? The county doesn't, doesn't pay enough wages to attract uh, talent or retain talent. So you increase wages and suddenly you can't fill the position because you've increased wages and you can no longer afford to fill all the, the open positions. I, so we need to have a discussion about long-term strategic planning and be open about when we say no, you say no to a housing project because we don't want development, that means we're going to have a housing shortage. Say no to wires on the pole or towers, that means we're not going to have broadband. Say no to in business because we want to keep our character the, the way it is. You can do that, but you're, we're, going to, we're going to lose revenue and we're going to have to talk about where to cut services in the future. We need to do a better job tying the decisions we make today with 
the, the what will play out in the years ahead. I think the Department of Finance, the Treasurer, the Auditor, the Executive Office, the Board of Supervisors, I would say even the Sheriff, we all need to be part of that discussion looking at a long-term uh, trajectory and plan. Okay, so let me let me just clarify what did happen la, uh, at the last board meeting. Um, you did not appoint the second in command or second in the office of the auditor. Um, she's going to stay on as um, she will do the jobs, but she's not appointed in that position, and that means that the position will stay open. And hopefully by the time the position comes up in a year for an election, you will have gone through the uh, strategic plan. That's kind of what happened, right? I, I sure hope so. I mean, the, the, the speed of this is government moves at glacier speeds. Yeah. And so, you know, having a year runway, it seems like, well, there's plenty of time we can get it done. I hope we're not uh, cramming at the last minute and making decisions in haste. And I, th- I think Chair Jurdy is uh, really pushing the strategic planning forward. It's on it's on schedule uh, as as it stands today, and um, it's a it's a really good opportunity to have these hard dis- discussions about the long term. We spend a lot of time working on the short term, addressing emergency needs. Since I've been on the board, we haven't focused on the um, the the, the long term, looking at decades out. And so this is so this topic of maybe combining these two positions uh, to to create a CFO, which would be a county financial officer. Um, and the other topic that's come up that will be on this issue on this agenda for the strategic plan also is going from a CEO to a CAO, which um, is a what did I you know, anyway I. Right now, can't think of what those chief, chief executive, executive officer, officer versus right. chief administrative officer. Thank you. You know, I, a lot of people focus on that. I, I get a lot of um, a lot of constituent input. You know, if we could just get rid of the CEO, this county <laughs> would function better. Right. And I, I think it's more complicated than that. Uh, frankly, uh, removing somebody with 14 years experience, continuity, relationships with Sacramento. Yeah. That's going to be a challenge for us to to not have that process be disruptive. And, and so the, the main difference, CEO versus CAO, is today the Board of Supervisors funnels direction through the hourglass, through the CEO. You have one point of, of, of administrative oversight. With a CAO model, we'll have department heads reporting direct to the Board of Supervisors. I don't know. Can, can the Board of Supervisors manage those individual department heads who you know will be behind the scenes lobbying for their needs? And legitimately, they have needs that are not being met. Yeah. I don't think that's the, yeah. the I don't think that's the most important decision we're going to make. The, it's it's more about the the planning where we want to go and what resources we need, not who's administering it. And is that really going to be I mean, I haven't heard any of the topics or the design of the strategic planning sessions you're going to do. I thought they were supposed to start in September. I guess that must have be put off a bit by the, now. I, I I was involved in one interview. The, okay. uh, the, the, the consultant is uh, making the rounds, interviewing staff, interviewing supervisors with one on ones. OK, uh, I did one that was about two hours long. And, uh, you know, I went in I, it, it, this strategic planning effort was a four one. I was, I was in the minority feeling that we didn't have a solid plan. Uh, after working with the consultant, I, I think uh, they're credible. They have a good process, and I, I'm hopeful. And it, it brings up a um, uh, general question of what do you do when the board is split? And, you know, it's my view. I can be in a minority position and against something, but once the board decides, I need to support the board. And it doesn't matter, you know, why I voted against it. 
it's the direction we're moving and I need to do everything I can to uh, make sure it's a success. Well, I hope I'm I'm really hoping that a lot of these tough issues about how we make the county government function better with what we have. Um, I really hope that does get knocked out and dealt with in the strategic plan because we've been just kind of running from one issue to another to another um, all the time that I've been watching this board, which is more years than I want to talk about. So uh, I, I'm going to be I will be following the, the strategic planning and hopefully bringing that to back to the listeners. So whether I know we've only got a couple minutes left because you need to go. But what other issues are on the table for you uh, trying to get through all this difficult time? Well, I think uh, super, uh, Mo and I. Supervisor Mo and I have been meeting with the uh, fire districts, uh-huh. and I think there's a lot of opportunity there in an area that will be critical in the years to come to to bolster. And uh, you know, we're talking about a possible fire warden position to have some parity with the sheriff and representing local fire needs. Um, uh, broadband has been moving forward while we've been running from disaster to disaster. Governor's office with the state legislature has finally funded. Um, a large-scale broadband deployment, and I can in the days ahead, I'll, I will share some of the initial mapping. The state will be providing uh, middle mile, so essentially in Mendocino County, that'll be along uh, state highways where Caltrans has easy right-of-way, and it'll be entirely fiber. Um, it really sets California apart as one of 50 states that's building open access, um, government-owned, people-owned, um, uh, high-speed internet. And then Mendocino County will receive uh, a share of funds for the last mile. So the state will provide fiber along the highways, and then the county will pick up from those from those highway locations and run it down county roads. And uh, I imagine it will be a mix of, of fiber and wireless. We had a very credible plan, actually three plans, to do fiber to the home. We've gone through several uh, rounds of uh, grant requests to the state. Our plan is over a uh, half billion dollars. We're saying we're not going to get that level of funding from Mendocino County. It will likely be a mix of, of fiber and wireless. But the good news is we've never seen this amount of funding or initiative to bring broadband high-speed internet to um, to all ha- homes throughout the county. So I think it's there's, there's a lot to be critical of. Um, and there's a, a, a lot of whack-a-mole situations and running from disaster to disaster. But as we come out of fires, pandemic, and drought, I think we're going to find that Mendocino County is stronger uh, with a uh, uh, more connected population. That's fascinating. I mean, that's really great to hear because I know the Broadband Alliance people have been working on this for God years, five, six, seven. I, and it's so good to hear that's happening. Um I'm curious just to step back about the fire person you're talking about making it at the same level as the sheriff. That's an interesting concept because I know we still have everybody locally doing their own things and a lot of volunteer stuff, but having an overall coordinator who for fundraising and granting and all of that, is that kind of where you're thinking that position would go to deal with? Oh, Ted, are you there? I think I lost Ted. All right. Ted's gone. Okay. He just dropped off. Maybe he had to go to another meeting. All right. Well, folks, 
uh, you're listening to KZYX and Z. I'm Karen Adabani. This is TKO. We had a quick interaction with Ted Williams. Maybe his broadband went down. But uh, I wanted to get a lot of the topics on the air that uh, have been going on. It's a critical time. Um, and that's we're going to let Ted go because he needed to go to another meeting. He probably had to drop off. Um, oh, he said his audio dropped. He's going to give a minute and then he can return. Okay. Gosh, I love this stuff. I'm sitting here looking at the computer and he's doing this stuff. So anyway, you back. Yeah, I'm sorry. I lost your audio for a moment. That's okay. I thought maybe your broadband went down. (laughs) Anyway, um, the thing I was talking about was the overarching, uh, fire position that you and Mo have been talking about, Mulhern. Uh, that sounds like very fascinating and interesting to me. Seems like we could do a lot more coordination for fund ri- for grant writing, getting money into the county for all the different departments. Is that kind of where you're looking at this going as this position? Yeah, more and more burden has fallen on uh, volunteer departments. They're now responsible for doing uh, inspections of commercial buildings on a regular schedule. It's a lot to ask of volunteers. And um, I think there's opportunities for bolstering uh, countywide training. The people who do come out willing to give, we shouldn't be asking them to go to another county to get trained. We should do that training locally. Um, We should make sure that uh, local fire is part of budget discussions. You know, there's not enough budget to fully support fire. That's fine. But they should at least be at the table to talk about their needs, where we're falling short. We should need to be surveying to make sure we have a base level of service that's uh, equal across the county. You know, if there's a, a kid in a car wreck, I don't care what fire district they're in. They need to have a base level of care that's reasonable. And that may mean uh, looking at equity, providing more funds in some areas than others because of because there's more need, there's more of a hole. And I, I think that uh, the board has taken this up in recent years. We're making progress. But the fire and the, the public that depends on fire and EMS really deserve for there to be um, a, a strong lead, somebody that sits at the table with the other department heads representing fire. Fire is unique in that county doesn't provide the service. 21 local fire agencies provide it. And yet uh, they depend on, um, well, they, they, in the years to come, they will depend on funding from the county. They depend on records from planning and building when new construction is going in. There's a lot of coordination that should happen that hasn't. Well, and not only that, bring in the ambulance services also. Um, that has, I've watched, I mean, I, I was in Anderson Valley when our ambulance was in the back of an Econoline van. Okay, so I've watched this whole process grow as volunteers. So would that be possibly under that, like emergency services as a whole, maybe, or just fire? I would think. So. I would think so. There's some of that is under uh, the LEMSA, which okay. uh, the local emergency manage medical uh, yeah. services agency, right? Which in our case is Sonoma County. We contract with Sonoma, and it used to be Sonoma, Mendocino, Napa. Napa pulled out. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's in a, another area that's up for discussion. I've felt for years that we would be better served having our own limbs that focus on Mendocino County needs. Um, but you have to balance that with Sonoma County puts in a lot of money and we get more out of this partnership. It'd be very hard to replicate it uh, with the little funds that we have. So I see the LEMSA taking some of that EMS authority. Uh, but uh, a fire warden would probably look at how fire departments plug into that system. And ambulance service is not is another it's like water. It's another service that the county is not really responsible for. We don't provide ambulance service. We don't subsidize it. We don't have funds to subsidize it. Yet we really have a vested interest in knowing that when somebody calls nine one one, 
there is an ambulance that can come within a reasonable period of time. And uh, with the pandemic, we're seeing uh, the ambulance service stripped. But even in prior years, we saw instances where a 911 caller could wait an hour for an ambulance. Yeah, and um, I have to say a lot... I mean, I don't know. It'd be great to have some numbers. I I like numbers like you like numbers and tracking things, which we don't do real well in the county, I don't think. Um, It'd be interesting to see the increase over time for the ambulance calls that and the fire department calls that are for uh, accidents on the highways related to the increased tourist traffic that's going through. Um, you know, anecdotal only. I'm a, yeah. I'm still a firefighter and I respond if I'm not on a boot board meeting on Tuesday, yeah. I drop what I'm doing. And, and um, most of the traffic collisions I go to are our visitors. They can't handle the windy, windy roads. They also are the ones who fall off the cliffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, they get lost at sea, um, um, trip at hotel rooms. A, a lot of uh, first responder calls on the coast are related to the visitor economy. To me, that argues uh, some of the bed tax should go to cover that need so that the population isn't picking up the, the actual cost of visitors. Yeah, that's right. That was you. You took it right out of my mouth. That was my next comment. We've got we've got a big chunk of money that comes in with the DO, the TOT tax. And is that dispersed where it is needed and where it's used? I mean, what those kind of calls and those kind of issues really raise Um and that is that's part of the budget. I know that, and that's where you do that kind of stuff. But if you're getting the transportation tax or the you know TOT tax, it should be used where it needs to be used, and where the, where the impacts fall from having the tourists come in the county. So that's been my mantra for a long time. So I'm glad to hear you're doing that. That sounds good. That yeah, show up on a Tuesday and uh, give give that as public expression. I, I need your support. <laughs> Well, I'll write them a letter. I usually try to stay out of the stream on those kind of things, but that allows me to do it on the air and maybe have a broader audience. You know how that goes. Just like I don't endorse and I don't uh, sign um, I don't sign petitions either. Uh, so anyway, all right. Well, I know you've got to go pretty soon, but any other topics? I like this topic about having an overarching fire person because I think there's a grant money out there, and I think there's a lot of money that could be available, but these small individual departments don't have the people to do that and if you've got a whole group of people represented by one person that gives them more i think um cachet to go to the states and the feds to get money into the county and folks as i've always said we get money we get more money coming in from state and fed than we give out so let's work the system and get as much money into the county as we can How's that one, Ted? I think you're right about the grants. I think there's also an opportunity to have uh, a, a discussion with the state about reimbursement for state incidents. So, so most uh, vegetation fires, yeah. forest fires in our county are on what's called state responsibility area within the SRA. And uh, it, it doesn't matter that it's the state's respons- responsibility. It's the local fire department that shows up first. And if they can extinguish it when it's a small spot fire, it, it, we won't get that mega fire. Yeah, right. we, we just saved the well. state. We just saved yeah. saved the state a lot of money and the feds. Yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. And so right. so the, the state has agreements with the local fire agencies to provide reimbursement. And nobody's getting rich off of this. Right. And when I was chief, I remember looking over at a school teacher realizing he's gonna be at school at seven thirty AM the next morning and you know, it's past midnight and I have him out of a fire. Yeah. Uh, it, it, so the idea of giving somebody in that position, I don't know, 20 bucks an hour, it takes the sting out of volunteering. 
nobody's doing it to get rich. They're doing it to save their neighborhood because they care about their neighbors. And uh, yet the state doesn't start that clock for reimbursement until uh, several hours in. And it's fluctuated between four hours and 12 hours. And to me, the idea that you're using volunteers on a state responsibility, whether it's four four hours or 12 hours, and not reimbursing them, not providing pay, that's not a sustainable model. I think individual districts, individual fire districts, have, are in a tough spot to negotiate with the state. That may, there may be opportunity for the county to, to step in through this fire warden position and say, hey, we don't, we don't want to make money off of this, but we do want fair reimbursement so that we can keep this volunteer model working in the years to come. So I really like this idea. The more we're talking about it, I'm getting more excited about it. Um, how? What's the next step to move forward to maybe get this as a real position? What's it going to take? The, the uh, Fire Districts Association and the Fire Chiefs Association are uh, have some committees working on uh, putting together the job description, what it is that we want to ask for, and then uh, we'll take it to the full board and, and see what they have to say. Is there a timeline? I can't, I can't imagine anybody on the board being against it. It's always a question of how are we going to fund it. But in terms of priorities, I think this is one that uh, we, we may have to find a cut somewhere else because it's so important. Yeah, I mean, this is a great position. Do you have any time frame when you might want to get this on the agenda? I mean, Yeah, last, last year. Yeah, last year. Right. And the thing is, is I got to say, you guys are so slammed on your agenda. Last week you tried to get something on. I can't remember what it was about, about the drought. That's what it was about. It was about water. And you guys couldn't even, the, the CEO's office couldn't even find a place to get that on. Um, yeah, it, it may be coming a point where you're going to have to up the meetings, I have to say. Somebody talked well, about that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not against that because I'm, av- I'm available tomorrow and the next day and the day after. I'm available every day. And, and I, I, I don't think the, anybody's against having more meetings. One of the problems we run into, and I learned this uh, when I, before I stepped into office, the county sent me to a, a new supervisor's institute, and I didn't find it all that riveting. But, but, but one piece of information that um, I have reflected on is on a Tuesday, if you tell staff, go do this, and then they come back the following Tuesday and you say, no, do this other thing, and then the next week, no, do this, you're giving orders, you're giving direction faster than they can execute. They're going to come back and ask, you've given us 20 items, we can accomplish 12. Which 12 do you want? And, you know, we have staff today in a position of, of defending why they haven't done blank. We told them to do it a year ago. Why hasn't there been any progress? Well, I'll tell you, it's because we don't have the resources. And it's a constant battle of we're, we're asking staff to do more than they can do. And we're asking to fill positions that are below, you know, competitive wages. And, uh, comes back to the strategic planning. We need to decide what our priorities are. What does the public believe our top priorities are? And maybe we're not going to do everything that's currently on the list, but at least it'll be a conscious choice what we're giving up. Yeah, I think there's a whole list of uh, requests to staff that's like a couple of pages long. I, I know that uh, the CEO's mentioned it a couple of times, of direction that this, that you've given to staff, that some of them go back a long ways because they've had to move things up and the disasters. But yeah, it's, uh, boy, talk about balancing staff versus needs um, and prioritizing it. I, it's, it's a 
real balancing act. I appreciate that you're there working so hard to do it. But um, yeah, it may. I'm seeing that either you're going to have uh, special meetings coming up that are just topic driven, which I actually, being on a board of directors many years, that's mm-hmm. an interesting way of doing it where you have a special meeting and it's just totally focused on one issue. That might be another alternative to pop in one of those every week. It may, it may be. Yeah, to get and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you some of the direction we we give. You know, after after the fact, when we see how it plays out, it looks like it's a little bit wonky. Like we didn't have all the information at hand. To give you a concrete example. We we told Department of Transportation uh, get this get water hauling between Ukiah and Fort Bragg, and not realizing that a lot of the water trucks that are used for hauling are not licensed for potable water hauling. And of course, now the government will be funding the water hauling. We've got to use licensed trucks. We're not going to haul water to dump into Fort Bragg's reservoir in, you know, Joe's uh, raw water truck. We're going to use one that's CDPH approved. Well, there aren't very many approved trucks. I think there's uh, maybe two on the, the, the state's list for the coast, and they're rather small. So now we have DOT out looking several counties away at where we can get, uh, get access to a truck that meets state code. We've looked at, uh, can we get existing trucks approved? Uh, state says, yeah, you can do that if they meet the requirements. It'll take six to eight weeks. So, you know, we've given direction to a department to carry this out, and we want it done tomorrow without understanding that all the facts at hand, that we, the resource may not actually exist, and we're going to have to cut corners, and there's more regula- regulatory hoops to jump through. And I think that in the abstract, that's a common problem. We say do blank, not understanding that blank requires more time and money than we ever envisioned. And so how do you resolve that? I mean, I've seen that too. I mean, but I understand that there's a lot of state regulations that we're bumping up against that because we're in a unique situation of having to do something right now, nobody's ever researched that before. So how how do you think you would, I mean, I'm not sure how you get more information except to throw it out and say, wow, we need this. And then everybody starts gathering information. It's, it's a, that's a tough one. I mean, these issues are coming at you a mile a minute. That's right. It's it's really tough, and I and I am I am shocked. Well, I guess I shouldn't be shocked after all these years of doing this. I'm actually shocked still at how many state regulations we bump up against just to try to do something locally in our own communities. Yep, it's, I'm with you. I'm. It's amazing, Ted. I just it's just appalling, actually. I don't know how we get over that. I actually had a chance, like I said, to meet with uh, Jim Wood several weeks ago, and that was one of the things I said. You know, the state needs to give us more local control so we can do what we can do locally. But yeah, I agree. That's my. I mean, an example is Anderson Valley. I went out with yeah. uh, uh, Assemblymember Wood and 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 toured uh, some of the dry ponds. Ah, and, yeah. And one of the grape growers noted that they have a water right to pump during the summer but they tried swapping it to pump during the winter and they were told no. Well, during the winter, when there's ample flow, that's when we would prefer they take the water. That's when the fish would prefer they take the water. So, you know, regulation is there for, for, for good purpose, but uh, in a lot of cases, it's not tuned. And you, you have a state looking at a, a very large landscape, right, from the Oregon border to the, the, uh, the Mexican border. And... Uh, and we're 0.2% of the population, so it may be that their regulation is right in most places. Well, it's not right here. So having a little bit of local control or at least an avenue to ask for exemptions where we feel there's a possibility that would be better for the environment, better for local business, better for government, uh, 
let's do it. We, we've got to have somewhere to take those types of requests. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty shocking at times what we bump up against. So, um, thanks for sticking in this length length of time. Yeah. One one last big pressing issue is COVID. I listened to the COVID report last week. Uh, the numbers are still popping off the charts. The hospitals were maxed out last few days. It seems like it's dropped a bit. But we just had Labor Day. Uh, how's it going on the coast? What are you thinking about this? I don't think it's going well countywide. I mean, thank you. We, we were we were leading the state in uh, early in the game, keeping cases out, getting the population vaccinated, and then it just kind of stopped. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, I looked at the list, and we were kind of one of the one of the worst counties yep. in response to COVID. And yet, you have um, you have medical staff at all three hospitals working incredibly hard, and uh, I don't know what more they could do. You have public health offering vac- vaccination clinics all over, and uh, I don't think any more messaging. I hear some people say we need more education out there. I don't know if more education would do it at this point. I think it's become philosophical. You have some people on board understanding that uh, it's a pandemic, and we've got to do what we have to do to keep each other safe. And you have other people feeling that uh, their personal freedom shouldn't be impeded at any cost. And I don't, I don't know how we're going to get through that other than just, just more of the same. So we're just going to yeah, have to our guts our way through this. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I have a pet peeve. I, I love our Anderson. I love the Mendocino County Fair. I'm a big part of it. I've been doing it for years. I had a senior booth there serving wine. All the local nonprofits have pulled out because of the, just they're nervous about it. Um, the counties. uh, public health officer, Dr. Corrin, did not call it a no-go, which means that all the contracts that the the fair board initiated months ago now can't be canceled. They're going to have a big loss. So the fair is going ahead. Um, I just, I, I don't know who needs to step in and do what but our numbers are terrible. Um, now they're talking about requiring vaccinations to get indoor seating for restaurants and bars. There was a big meeting, big powwow in Ukiah with the business owners around that. Uh, I just don't know the, I don't know the answers. I don't know the answers. I just know that we um, are not doing well. And and I, I love freedom too. Yeah, and, really. And, and I don't, I don't know what to do with the situation, and frankly, it's not for the board of supervisors. The health officer um, is appointed by the board, but then is is independent, like the sheriff is independent. We we don't have say over what, you know what health order uh, he he executes next, but uh, he's looking at it from a stance of our hospitals are full, people are dying, and we have elective surgeries canceled. And yeah. an elective surgery can be a biopsy for someone who may have breast cancer. Kicking that down the road a month or two, you do that enough, and you're going to have somebody die who didn't need to die. And so, you know, as much as it's, it's your freedom whether to get vaccinated, I fully support it. It's your body. You decide. Problem is you don't get vaccinated. You get sick and then you show up at our hospital. You're taking a finite resource that means somebody else may suffer. This, and, and that's the struggle that Dr. Warren faces every day. He doesn't want to impede anybody's freedom or impact small business. He just doesn't want he just, his job is to keep Mendocino County alive best he can. 
Yeah, I it's it's a conundrum. I personally, in my humble opinion, figure feel like uh, there needs to be more more coming out of his office about the do's and don'ts and maybe pulling some of things back. So, hey, Ted, thanks for staying on for so long and getting us up to date. A lot of issues on the table, but um, I will be doing the drought hopefully the next uh, time I'm on the air and uh, keep doing the good work you're doing and you're so accessible. I thank you so much for doing it all right thanks for thanks for having me on the amazing reporting and shows and uh, kzyx for being a, a partner in all of this we're sure trying to keep it going so have a great day ted thank Bye. you so much all right that was ted williams fifth district supervisor and yeah folks um please be safe if you're gonna be out and about mask up you know it's kind of like you got to take care of yourself right now because you know You don't know what's out there. You don't know what's going on. I've heard of several cases of people that have contracted COVID who were vaccinated. It's a milder situation. They're not in the hospital. They're not dying, but you're still sick, and that's not good. The other thing is make sure you vote. Make sure you vote. Make sure you vote. If you haven't gotten your um, ballot, you can call... Two three four six eight one nine. But do make sure you vote. This is a very important election. Next to voting, get vaccinated um, and stay safe out there. I will be back with you on the twenty second, and hopefully, we'll be talking water. Have a great day. This podcast was produced by KZYX FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, local community radio from Mendocino County, California. If you enjoyed the program and you'd like to hear more, in Northern California, you can tune in anytime to KZYX at 90.7 FM in Philo, KZYZ at 91.5 FM in Willits and Ukiah, and 88.1 FM in Fort Bragg. If you're listening to this podcast from further away, we also stream live 24 hours a day at kzyx.org, where you can hear our eclectic range of locally produced music, public affairs, and news, along with daily state and national news programs and breaking news. You can also find out how to become a member to keep KZYX on the air. Thank you for listening.